We do not deal with difficulty well. We do not deal with conflict well. When evil shows its face, we are often not ready to face it with the proper demeanor. When we are scared or in danger, we do not respond well. Some of us ignore the problem. Sometimes we stick our head in the sand. Sometimes we respond to every inquiry with, oh, I'm doing good. Everything's fine. Sometimes we pretend there is no problem. We put a facade on and we keep walking. Some of us self-medicate our problems. When there's emotions we don't want to deal with, we run to our drug of choice, unhealthy remedies, alcohol, drugs, sex, the ever-present screen in our pocket. Sometimes we blame ourselves and take the blame when it's, a, it's an external thing. Sometimes we blame others when it's probably us. Sometimes we just go straight to blaming God. This is your fault. We're very good at sitting in the moment of difficulty and forgetting everything that happened before and all the hope that's to come. We forget history. We ignore history. We forget who God is. When things are good, we just roll with it. We don't plan for difficulty. We don't plan for that thing to come. But we should know, if you've been in this world long enough, you should know this is a broken world. Conflict will eventually come. Evil will come. Danger will come. Sometimes that evil is experienced on a personal level. A relationship you have is betrayed or a trust is broken. Sometimes the brokenness of the world encroaches in on us, right into our lives. There can be injustice around you, injustice at work. Someone, a fellow employee could lie about you and malign you to the boss. Perhaps you were cheated out of money or taken advantage of. The brokenness of the world sometimes strikes into our lives. Sometimes it's across the street or it's in our neighborhood or we see something that should not be something that is not just, something that is not right. Evil or darkness permeating into our city. Sometimes evil is experienced on a corporate level, a people of God level. Within the church, local or global, we see things happen that dirty the name of Jesus and distract people from the gospel. We see actions or words that do not align with the message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus' work for us. All of these are reminders that the world is broken. And these broken events are sometimes very hard to respond to. Some of the great gifts that the Psalms gives us are templates for our hearts. Lyrics and melodies that we can use as standards to tune our hearts in order to sing or cry appropriately. This Psalm, Psalm 28, that's what we'll be this morning, may not be the melody you need today. It may not be the tune that you need today, but it could and probably will be a comfort after some future event. It is probably the song you need for a future conflict. If you are in the middle of something right now, my hope is that David's words would be helpful to you, but I also know that the middle of the difficulty is not the best time to learn a new song. A new song your heart can sing. A hurting heart is already crying its song, and we need to lean on each other. But this can serve as a good melody for our cries. This morning, through David's lyrics, through this Psalm 28, we will learn that a strong God allows us to passionately 
respond to evil. A strong God allows us to passionately respond to evil. Let's read this. Psalm 28 says of David, To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. Lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voices of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to, their, to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. And because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. And I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Unlike other Psalms, We have walked through with David. This one doesn't seem to be attached to any particular event, any episode in the life of David. In fact, he may have wrote this to give people words to sing when they worshipped at the temple. Almost as if he wrote a hymnal. You you have hymnals in the front of your pews. We use them every once in a while. Um, It's almost as if he wrote a hymnal and if you were to turn to the category of songs to sing when things are not going so well, This would be right there. This is the song for that. This is the song to sing in that service. Obviously, he had plenty of events in his life that he could draw on to think about the right emotions. He's walked through this before. But he shows us the appropriate rhythms to follow to passionately respond to conflict and evil around us. He cries out to the Lord at the beginning. He calls out for justice in the middle. He remembers the character of the Lord and he ultimately asks for help. That's what we're going to walk through this morning. He begins by crying out to the Lord, To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. In these first two verses, David really calls out to the Lord, or we know this is a translation for the personal name of God, Yahweh. David is calling out to to Yahweh. There is no timidity here. There is no uncertainty here. There's nothing pretty or proper about the way he's praying. This is honest and raw. Be not deaf to me. I call to you. Be not silent to me. As I read this, I just remind us, I remind myself, God can handle your real feelings. God can handle your real emotions. He knows them whether you pray with them or not. We don't need to put on a sense of piety that does not align with our real hearts and emotions. Because of a false belief we, that we can make a better relationship with God, we often try to clean ourselves up 
and try to pray the right things in the right way, in the right cadence, with the right words. God is big enough and strong enough to deal with the real junk going on in your head. The real emotions, the real uncertainties, the real doubts, the real desperation that's going on to your head. Talk to him. David knows this and talks boldly and big. David says, be not deaf to me. Please listen to me. I'm crying out. I am being loud and desperate. I will bring you big requests of help and do not be silent. Do not hear and fail to respond because if you do, I will die. I will go to the pit. That's literally the realm of the dead. I will go to the pit. He says, I become like those. This, this Hebrew phrase, become like those, is literally be a parable of. David's saying, if you don't show up, if I speak and you are silent, I am going to be a little story that represents people who die. I'm going to be a little anecdote that people refer to and say, oh, you pulled a David. You died. You went down to the pit. That's, I will be that story if you are silent. That's what David says. David is saying, you need to show up. This is serious. I'm in danger. Hear my voice. I am asking, pleading, begging for mercy. He is crying out to God, crying out to Yahweh for help. He's in the situation he calls out, not waiting to see if it blows over, not waiting to see if he can handle it, not see, to see if he can take care of it. This song reminds us that we call out honestly, passionately for help. And he talks about lifting up his hands. This is an expression of desperation. You almost can see a kid that fell down and puts his hands up. Oh, help me. And it's also reaching out towards the presence of God. He says that he's reaching toward the most holy sanctuary. He's reaching to where the presence of God is. This is desperation. This is large need of help. These two verses are raw and passionate and real. Now what is going on that is causing this type of intensity? What is the event around um, the need for this song? What is happening? David is calling for justice in verses 3 through 5. He says, Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace, the, the Hebrew word shalom, with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. David is looking out at the greater landscape around his fellow people of God and their actions, and he's watching what they're doing, and he is very concerned with what he sees. The people around him are being wicked. So David loudly exclaims, Do not drag me off with the wicked. Do not drag me off with them. These are the workers of evil. These are the ones that say, Shalom, peace to their neighbors, but have evil in their hearts. The people of God were to bring justice and goodness to their neighbors. Does that sound familiar? Love your neighbor as yourself. They were supposed to bring justice and goodness to their neighbor. And David looks around and sees that they're not doing that. You can almost picture the exchange, right? Howdy, neighbor Bob. Good afternoon. Gosh, I hate that guy. 
I hate that guy. And, and neighbor Jim, I wish he would move. Oh, hey, neighbor Jim, have a good one. They wish peace. They wish shalom. Shalom being the full representation of God's reign and peace for the world. Everything in its right place. They wish peace for their neighbors and have evil in their hearts. This is a miscarriage of justice and righteousness. To act that way is to break the relationship that God wants with our neighbors. Our presence, not just the people of God, us now today, our presence should be one that shows who God is. We ought to shine. We ought to present the kingdom of God by our actions. Our presence within our neighborhood should be redemptive. We should propagate justice and mercy. We should sow goodness and grace. And David looks around to the people around him, to the people with the label people of God. And he looks and sees workers of evil and he says, rescue me, Yahweh. Rescue me. And David continuing sings and prays in a way that we may not be comfortable with. He says, give to them according to their works. Pay them out according to their deeds and the way they work with their hands. Give them the proper paycheck. Give them the due that is based on their actions. And why? Because they are evil, but also because these fellow citizens, fellow people of God, are not regarding the works of the Lord. They are not living in remembrance of what God has done and who He is. For David, he's looking out and saying, they forget that Yahweh has faithfully been a gracious and just and righteous and merciful God to the people. They are not acting that, like they remember that God graciously grabbed Abraham, pulled him out of an evil generation and said, I will make a people out of you. I will give you descendants and I will be their God and they will be my people and I will bless the nations by them. These people are forgetting that. They are forgetting that God rescued them out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. He redeemed them. He rescued them. He brought them through the sea. They are not reminding themselves that time and time again God has rescued them from invaders, from external evil. He has used judges, great and small, many, many times to continually protect them. He has used kings to care for them. But His people, the people labeled the people of Yahweh, are forgetting that. They're forgetting Him. David prays and with a broken heart says, they should remember the way you work, the consistency of your historical character, and they should live accordingly. Their work should match your work. The things their hands do should match the things your hands do. You are gracious and just and righteous, and their works should show that. Their work should be gracious and just and righteous. But it isn't. So shake them up. Give them their due. Do not build them up any longer. Tear them down. That's David's prayer, and that's kind of scary. This, these requests, I'm sure some of you are uncomfortable with. We should note that there's a spectrum of curses, a spectrum of harsh language in the Bible. On one side, you have, um, you have harsh language for the ultimate enemies of God. Psalm 58 literally says, Let them be like a snail that dissolves in its slime. 
Pretty bad. Pretty bad. You've read others about curses on the generations and the generations and on and on and on. Another side, on a different side of the spectrum, is heavy, serious language for those who would and could be friends. For those within the community. Or at least saying we belong to God. This is, that's where these requests sit. He's looking out into the community and calling for God to shake them up. And the more we think about this, the more it makes sense. David is saying, let there be justice. We're not wielding justice. Let there be justice. People that label themselves with your name have evil in their hearts for their neighbors. People that hold the name of Yahweh are wielding injustice. David cares about the name of Yahweh. David cares about the name of the Lord. He cares about God's reputation. He is saying, drag them off because I don't want people to associate God with people that hate their neighbors. And I think as David prays, there is a hope here that if God shakes them up, they will be shaken into understanding and realization about what they have done. We've seen that happen over and over and over again in scriptures. They're shaken up and they realize, oh God, what have we done? Forgive us. I think he hopes that they would be drawn to repentance and not just left to their activities and deeds. I've prayed this way. When I see those who would tote the name of Christ, when I see them treat people with contempt and hatred, when I see those who say, I am a follower of Christ, and yet do and promote that which is contrary to him, I, with a broken heart, have prayed, God, knock them down, break them up. For the sake of your name, don't let them propagate. Don't let them be the example. Don't let them be the representative of you. Knock them down and drag them off and show them who you are. Change their hearts. Shake them into understanding. It's too important. It's too serious. David cries this way to the Lord passionately. He is serious about the right things. And in the midst of this call for justice, he asks for rescue. He says, protect me. Don't drag me with them. It is assumed, I remember your works. I want my work to mimic your, mimic your work. Protect me from their consequences. If you have not needed a template for this kind of experience, you will. One day, you will. And as we continue to submit ourselves to the scriptures, God's revelation in this book, and the sanctification that happens in community, as we submit ourselves to that, we will more and more approach this, not as a my team, your team, I win type of attitude, but in a Holy Spirit-empowered humility that has a broken and bleeding heart for these people. There is no vengeance here for David. There is a desire for justice to be made manifest and God's works to be known. There is a strong and intense desire that God's name be glorified and neighbors be properly cared for. David continues the rhythm of this prayer by reminding himself of the character of God and the reasons for praising him. In verse 6 through 8, he says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. 
David continues this prayer and starts praising the Lord. He blesses the Lord. He puts weightiness on the name of the Lord. He gives adoration and goodness to the Lord. And David has reasons for this. It's not just, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to say because now God will like me and he'll listen. He says, for he has heard my voice. This could be a song that David wrote with the beginning and the end in mind of of a certain experience. And so he could be saying, oh, you've heard my voice from verses one and two. So now I'm going to say this. But I think more likely is that David is giving us a template to pray through when we are in a difficult situation, when evil is around us. These are lyrics that can be sung through, prayed through, meditated through to remind ourselves that God has been good. History is an indicator of God's character and it indicates a good character. David gives lyrics communicating that God has heard my voice and my pleas in the past and because of that I am confident he will hear my voice now. This is a great reason to write down prayers. So often we get stuck smack dab in the present, right in the middle of a situation, and we only see our current circumstances. We forget history. The bad thing happened on Tuesday. I don't even remember Monday anymore. It's just Tuesday. This is a great reason to write prayers down. During our life group, um, when we pray for each other and give each other ways to pray during the week so we can talk to God on others' behalf, um, I write down prayer requests in a little app I have on my phone. And because I write it down in an app, it's always there. I never delete them. So every once in a while, I will go back and flip through these prayer requests and see prayer requests from months and months and years ago. And I'm reminded, oh yes, God is good. God answered these prayers. God took care of that person. In fact, he took care of that person so well, I forgot we even prayed about it. He gave that person peace when they were scared. He gave a job of provision to that person. He gave a good place to live to that person. He took care of these people when they had that hard situation to walk through. And I look through these and go, yes, God is good. I forgot. I don't even remember these things. And I look through and I'm reminded that God has been good and continues to be good. Remind ourselves of the history of God's character and his consistency. David is reminding himself, you have heard, you have heard voice, the voice of my pleas and the prayer I am pouring out right now does not fall on deaf or uncaring or unable ears. They fall on a listening, eager and strong God. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Yahweh is not weak. The Lord is not weak. Jesus is not weak. He is powerful. The works of his hands are great because he is strong. He does not do simply small things. Some of you, some of us, sometimes me, we are too content with a small and inadequate picture of God. We give him simple requests because we do not afford him the realm of the great and the earth shattering. We have a God who is willing to bend his ear to us, who, Hebrews says, by the word of his power, holds the universe together. We have a God that keeps atoms and suns in their orbits and the earth on its axis. 
holding in order what would decay into chaos if he were not holding it together. On an intimate level, but still astoundingly powerful, we have a God who can reach into a stone-cold and merciless heart and through the Holy Spirit soften it and give it the affections that glory in Christ. Some of you have seen that happen with people you know. You have seen them change because the Holy Spirit grabbed them. We have a strong God. We have a powerful God. David says, you are my strength and my shield. You have the power to work and you protect me. He says, in him my heart trusts and I am helped. I need to pray this to help align my heart to this dependence. In Yahweh does my heart trust. I am helped by the Lord. Especially in the midst of this difficulty, this conflict, I need to be reminded When the next conflict comes around, my heart should not trust in my ability to negotiate or make peace. Your heart should not trust in that. You should not ultimately be helped by your ability to convince or be winsome. You must lean and put trust in the Lord. I must lean and put trust on the Lord. The Lord is not the last resort. He is our help. He is our only help. David says, my heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to him. David continues to bless the Lord. This psalm is a song that gives Yahweh thanks, and many others do the same thing. This is one of the reasons we sing every Sunday morning. We take songs, we take lyrics and melodies, and put them together and use them to thank the Lord. We give our hearts melody to exalt with. Often I walk in here, and I'm glad to be here. I walk through those doors and I'm glad to sit in the pew and sit with people that love Jesus. But not always am I exulting, am I excited, am I raring to go. But often, and most of the time, after a couple songs, my heart is tuned to praise. My heart is reminded that the gospel is true. My heart is reminded that, Lord, I need you. My heart is reminded and invigorated when together a building full of people say, Be thou my vision, Lord of my heart. And oftentimes I am reminded and overwhelmed because the gospel is true. Because the good news we remind ourselves every Sunday is true. And that's what these songs are for. And I can trust in and find help in the God who gave us the gospel. That's why we sing. So as one people, every week we tune to the same truth and we have a shared melody so as one people we can bless the Lord together and have our hearts exalt. My hope is that these templates we use, you get about six or seven every, every Sunday, that these templates we use come into our heads and remind us of God's truth throughout the week. And remind us of the historical consistency of God's character. So that we again on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and in the midst of the really hard situation, we're reminded and we can bless the Lord. We're reminded, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. We need those melodies. We need those songs. And David's saying, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm reminding myself. 
Verse 8 says, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. David continues his worship and his reminding himself of the character of God by moving away from the personal and individual and moving out to the corporate and to the community. We are not in a relationship with God on our own. God continues to be strong for his people and a protection for his people and a refuge for his people. And we are with his people. Finally, David moves to ask for help for the people. Verse 9, Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. After crying out to God and asking for justice and reminding himself of the character of God and the historical consistency of God, he returns to his passionate pleas. His unashamed request, save your people and bless your heritage. David points to the people that God grabbed for his own and says, save your people. Bless this thing that is your heritage, your inheritance, which will remain forever labeled as yours. Save these people. Help in this situation. Act in the midst of this conflict. Flex your muscles, God. Flex your muscles, Yahweh. Make your name known and let it not be stained. And echoing the words of Psalm 23, he says, Be their shepherd. We spent a whole week walking through Psalm 23. Be their shepherd. One who is strong and trustworthy, shepherd them. Shepherd these people. And I love this. He says, carry them forever. Pick them up into your saving arms and carry them. And that phrase literally means as far as forever. The same people that he said, shake up, drag them away, give them their paycheck. In that painful tension, he says, save them and carry them. Let them know that you are good. Let them know that you're the shepherd, that you're gracious. The works that they can't remember, put them back into their minds and carry them forever. Never put them back on the ground. David did not stay in despair or put himself into a corner and try to forget what was going on. He didn't try to forget the problem. He saw evil within the people, a danger to himself even, and he called out to God, for personal help. He cried out for justice. He reminded himself of the character of God and he asked God to save his people. Next time you find yourself in the midst of difficulty or evil or conflict or you're surrounded by those that tout the name of the Lord but do not regard his ways, please walk through this psalm, Psalm 28. Use these words to bend your heart and align your emotions and tune your soul I would encourage you to call out passionately to God. He can handle your emotions. He can handle the way you're thinking, the way you're talking, the doubts, the uncertainty, the desperation. Ask God to bring justice for his name's sake. Remind yourselves of the works of the Lord. Write those down so you can go back and see them, that God is good and faithful. And trust him and ask him to save. This morning we get to remind ourselves of the best work of the Lord. We have communion this morning. Because God is able, strong, and a saving refuge, Jesus came to save us 
by putting himself graciously in our place. He bore the punishment of death for us who have worked evil, who have had evil deeds and rose again to give us salvation and to be our shepherd. First Peter says this well. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Savior who was willing to die for you is the Savior who is a shepherd to us and can carry us forever through the midst of every difficulty. During the next song, there will be stations for the bread and the cup in the back and in the front. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to take these elements um, during the next song and after that song, we'll take them together as a people to proclaim and remember the works of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this template, for this prayer, for these rhythms of reminding ourselves who you are and passionately crying out. I pray that you would impress this template onto our hearts so that we have this the next time something difficult comes up, the next time evil encroaches around us, the next time injustice shows up within our gaze. I pray we would remember this and we would meditate through this and pray through this and trust that you are a strong God that allows us to respond passionately to evil. I thank you that your works are good and consistent and you have never stopped being good and gracious. I thank you that your ultimate work of of sacrificing yourself for us on the cross, taking our death, giving us your life, I thank you that we can look back on that in the midst of difficulty when we are uncertain that you care for us and say, yes, you do care. I pray that this would be a reminder of that. And together we would remember the works of the Lord. And I pray that the next songs would tune our hearts, that they would exalt. Change us to be passionate people that sing passionately because you are good. Amen.